the Patriots beat the Bills and they only throw the ball three times. Crazy, crazy stuff. They are now first place in the AFC East, first place in the AFC. Patriots are back, the Bills fall to the seventh seed. They are in trouble. The Lions get their first win of the season. They beat the Vikings. Congratulations to the Lions. Can the Dolphins sneak into the playoffs? Tua's been playing better. They've taken care of their business these last few weeks. Can they sneak into the playoffs in this tough, tough AFC? Herbert and Burrow play against each other for the first time in their careers in the NFL. The Chargers beat the Bengals. We'll touch on how they did and if both teams are going to make the playoffs. In the Premier League, Tottenham are now fifth. After appointing Conte, they've been doing much better. Can they finish in the Champions League position? Can they finish in the top four? Man City take the top spot in the Premier League after a 3-1 victory against Watford and Chelsea losing to West Ham. They are at the top of the table. What does this mean in the Premier League? And in the NBA, Sabonis, Lavert, and Turner are now available. The Pacers are having a fire sale. It is time to rebuild. They look at the roster and they need to make some moves. Lillard wants a two-year, $107 million extension. People are asking him to leave, to go somewhere else, and it just looks like Lillard is not, it's not built like that. He wants to stay there. He wants to keep making a ginormous amount of money. I don't blame him. I mean, it's always tough to move, but that's what's coming out. Two years, 107 for Lillard. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. The Patriots beat the Bills 14-10 on Monday Night Football. We kind of knew what we were signing up for just by the pregame, the pregame show. Every, everything leading up to the game in Buffalo, the conditions were terrible. The wind was going crazy. It was going to be a hard game for the offense to get anything going. We knew that, but we never expected Bill Belichick to just throw three times the whole game. We were at the top of the fourth quarter, and they had only thrown once in three quarters. And that was enough. That was enough. Even Bill Belichick called it a high school. It looked like it was a high school game out there. They were just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and it worked. The Bills the Bills are struggling. The Bills are not living up to their potential. They're not living up to the hype that they got in the preseason. They're definitely not following up last season with a strong follow-up season. And now the Bills are the seventh seed in the AFC, and they play the Bucks next. So potentially after this weekend, they could be out of the playoffs, which is just crazy because the Bills, they beat the Chiefs like week four, week five, and people were crowning them. They were thinking, okay, the Bills are going to represent the AFC. This is the start of, you know, the Bills taking over the AFC. And now they're not even in first place of the division. They lose to the Patriots. They're one game back. Thankfully for the Bills, they do see them in two weeks. The Patriots, or three weeks, I think they play the Bucks this week, they play the Panthers, and then they play the Patriots again. So we'll see how they do, but the Bills need to get it together. Uh, the Patriots had a great plan. They were just going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. Hopefully they break one, and they did. They took the lead. They got the two-point conversion, and then they got a couple more field goals, and that was enough. And although the Bills defense, uh, if you guys saw the Micah Hyde uh, interview post game interview he got a little upset the because they interviewed the guy that was interviewing them uh did ask a kind of foul question he was just saying that it's the first time a team has lost when the other team has only thrown the ball three times and 
how does the defense feel about that? Are you embarrassed? And and Mika Hyde and another Bills players, they just got offended. They were like, "What kind of question is this?" But I think um, if they were if they were to just be able to open to talk freely, to just open up and really express themselves, they would say, "Hey, the defense did their thing. We held them to 14 points. Um, the Patriots, who have been scoring a lot, who've been beating their." Uh, opponents by 10 plus points these last few weeks putting 50 on some teams we know the Patriots can score the defense did their thing holding them down to 14 but the Bills offense was just terrible it was it was atrocious it was hard to watch they couldn't get anything going and then at the end of the at the end of the fourth quarter they got a few drives into the Patriots red zone and they could not convert they could not convert Josh Allen took sacks that he was not supposed to he tried to make you know the big play he tried to extend the play uh, a lot of times Josh Allen should just throw the ball away live to see another down but he, he keeps trying to you know bully ball you shrug off two or three defensive ends shrug, shrug off a couple linebackers on the way to make a play and those plays were just not there even when he did escape a tackle or two the wind was just too strong for for any improvisation play to work, if if the ball stayed in the air any any time, the the ball was just gonna you know lose its spin, lose its accuracy, and uh, I think the Patriots knew that. They Bill Belichick saw the forecast, um, and he had the perfect game plan. The defense, as we know, the Patriots always have an elite defense. This year's no different. They have one of the best, if not the best, defense, opportunistic defense in the NFL, and the Bills. Just couldn't figure it out. They tried to play a little conservative in the first half. In the second half, once they started, you know, uh, trying to do what they usually do, it worked a little bit in the fourth, but not really. They couldn't really score. The only way the Bills scored was when the Patriots, um, Harry, the punt returner, hit him in the in the helmet, and they give the Bills the ball from, like, the 18th, and then it was an easy – it was just, like, one slant, and they scored a touchdown. Other than that, the Bills would have just scored three points the whole game – it was atrocious. The Bills are on a downward spiral. I would not be surprised if the Bills do not make the playoffs. If you look at their schedule, uh, they have the Buccaneers this week, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Falcons, and the Jets. So they should beat the Jets, they should beat the Falcons, and they should beat the Panthers. I don't have any I don't have any belief in them to beat the Buccaneers this weekend. I think the Buccaneers should take care of the Bills, especially how the Bills are playing right now. And going to Foxborough to play the Patriots to get revenge, I, I don't see them having, you know, having that desire, having that, you know, they don't have the team. They don't have the guys for it. I think the Patriots have their number. They're in their head. They just bullied them in Buffalo. So I don't see them beating the Patriots. So it's three and two good enough to get them into the playoffs. They're seven and five right now. So that would make them. 10 and 7 is 10 and 7 enough in the AFC and if they slip up once as we've seen the Bills have been capable of losing they lost to the Jaguars um so I, we'll see how they do against the Panthers or, or the Falcons or the Jets the Panthers and the Falcons you know they're capable of having a good game and pulling up an upset and the Jets the Jets beat the Bengals and the Jets beat who the Jets beat they beat a couple good teams so the Jets also have potential to upset teams, so we'll see if the Bills get through their three victories that you know we're giving to them. But it's looking tough. What a fall from grace from the Buffalo Bills from making the AFC Championship game. 
And Josh Allen needs to get it together. He got that massive contract, huge extension, deserved to a degree because he had a great season last year, second in the MVP. But now, like, he has to follow that up. He has to earn that other earn that paycheck every season. And this season, he's not having the best of years. He struggled yesterday. And it's just incredible that the Patriots were able to win just throwing the ball three times. Uh, just the fact that Bill Belichick is able to do that. He doesn't care about players' feelings or if they don't get the ball, <laughs> we're going to run the ball. And it's funny how... Um, Manning, if you were watching, the, if you watched the game in the Manning telecast, they were saying Mac Jones could just go to the bus. He doesn't even have to shower. He doesn't have to, you know, clean up or anything. That he's good. They could even use the the uniform next week. Like he did nothing, and and that's fine. That's fine because Bill Belichick had a game plan and he stuck to it. And Bill Belichick, he's the goat, man. He's the best coach of all time. I think he's the only one that has the cojones to do this. And it worked. So credit to Bill Belichick and also not so much credit to that Bill's offense because that Bill's offense was atrocious yesterday. I know the conditions were bad. I know you're playing against an all-time coach and a a great defense, but you should have been able to do more. They did nothing the whole game, and they deserved to lose. And now the playoff stakes are hanging in the balance. We'll see what they do. For my money, I think I still believe they'll, they'll figure it out. They have a lot of talent. And they are seven and five. There is a lot of teams, you know, in their heels. You got the Steelers, six, five, and one. Colts, seven and six. Raiders, six and six. Browns, six and six. Broncos, six and six. Even the Dolphins are six and seven. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But there's a lot of teams right there that are, you know, trying to get their position. So we'll see. We'll see. But I do think the Bills will figure it out and they'll get there. But nevertheless, what a game. I hope everyone watched it. It was a great, it was, I wouldn't say great game, but it was an interesting game. It was a different game. You wanted to keep watching just to see like, whoa, is this really happening? No throws, terrible conditions. Uh, kicker Nick Folk was shooting wide left because he knew the wind was going to push it right. It was just insane. What a What a game. The Lions get their first victory. They beat the Minnesota Vikings 29 to 27 on a Last second touchdown, walk-off touchdown. The Lions beat the Vikings. They get their first win. They will not go winless. They will not match the 16 losses from that 08 team or whenever it was that they went 0-16. They are now, at the minimum, guaranteed one victory. They could go 1-15-1. But congratulations to the Detroit Lions. This was a long time coming. They've been fighting. They've been competing uh under Campbell you gotta give a, you gotta give Campbell you know credit uh we'll see how it turns out we'll see if he's a coach for the long term that's still to be seen but at least for this season he had he he has his guys fighting he has them competing I'm thinking like the Ravens game we all saw that 65 yard field goal kick um that went in that was a heartbreaking loss uh, they have been blown out in some other games, like against the Packers. Even the Colts' victory, they made it a little... I mean, even the 49ers' victory at the beginning of the season, they made it look a little better at the end, but that was a blowout. But they've had other tough tough losses against the Vikings earlier this season, and they even played the Steelers tough. They got that tie. So they're, they've been in some games. They lost to the Bears also by two points. So they've been in games where you're like, okay, the Lions have a chance. Is this going to be their first victory? They've been flirting with the victory, with the tie. They got a tie, and you're like, okay, if, if, if this is not it, 
if if they can't beat the Steelers without Big Ben, when is it going to come? When is it going to come? Is it going to come against the Eagles? No, they get routed by the Eagles. Is it going to come against the Browns with Baker Mayfield, you know, struggling with all the OBJ drama? No, they lose by three. Could it be the Bears? The Bears are struggling. Nope, they lose by two. And now you think the Vikings, the Vikings just love to let their fans down. They kind of reminds me of the Raiders. Uh, they just give you enough hope. They give you enough, you know, excitement. And then they crush you. And the Vikings, who have, had been playing pretty good, uh, they lost to the 49ers. No shame in that. It was a great game. They beat the Packers. They beat the Chargers. They fought hard against the Ravens. So you think, all right, the Vikings, as it's been their model this whole season, they've been competitive every game coming down to the wire. And, you know, their season hanging on a balance. They're five and six. They need a win. If they if they get the if they get to six and six, they have a chance. They're probably going to be the seventh seed tied with the Washington. And we'll see how the season ends. So leading up to this, it was like, okay, the Vikings know they got to get it together. They're playing the winless Lions. This could be a blowout or it could be another close game like it was earlier this season. But myself, I thought it was going to be. I thought the Vikings were going to take care of the Lions. I picked up their defense on fantasy. I was like, all right, this is easy. Give me some 10 points. Get the Vikings uh, a victory. Push them back into the playoff contention. And then we'll see how they finish their season. But the Vikings love to Vikings. And they lost to the Lions. Um, they put themselves in a hole. They were down 20-6 to at halftime. They fought back in the second half. Took the lead. Took the late lead. Kirk Cousins. Drove them down to get that game-winning touchdown. It looked like they were gonna. It looked like they were gonna walk away with the victory, and they blew it. That defense couldn't hold like it's been, like it's been doing this whole season. They couldn't hold. The Lions marched down the field. Uh, gotta gotta give a little bit of credit to Jared Goff. Jared Goff, who had never won a game, his whole his whole career, he had never won one single game. Without McVay, he was winless before he got hired. And then, obviously, he won with McVay. And now with the Lions, first time he's been without him again, he was winless. He gets that monkey off his back. He throws for three touchdowns, one interceptions. And all of this without Swift. So I'll give a little bit more credit to the Lions, too, doing it without their star or up-and-coming star running back. So impressive by the Lions. Jared Goff showed a lot. I still don't think Jared Goff is you know, an upper echelon starting quarterback. He's still, you know, towards the bottom. But I, I like what he showed right there. He got the victory. And for the Vikings, I think that's that's it for the Vikings. This was their chance to go back to 500, which they've been fighting the whole season to get to 500. This could have been it, 500. Um, they would have been tied with Washington football team for that last spot in the NFC. But now they're 5-7, and seven and it's just it's too tough of a... Of a of a mountain to climb in my opinion and if you can't beat the lions i don't think you deserve to make the playoffs but that doesn't take away nothing from the lions they've been fighting hard this whole season congratulations to the lions this was overdue i'm glad they got that one victory because ah man going one one and 16 one and 15 before or going two two and 14 two and 15 now with the 17 game schedule you know it sucks it sucks. It's terrible. But there's a lot of teams that do that every season. Every season, the number one pick usually has two or three wins. 
So if you have a terrible season and you only win one or two games, maybe three, you're like, okay, we had a terrible season. Let's get this high draft pick and, you know, move on. If you're one of those unfortunate teams that never gets a win, you, you go down in history. That's that could really impact like your confidence and everything. Like you, you're really like one of the worst teams ever. Like terrible, terrible. There, there's a lot of two and fourteen teams. There's some every season, but you went winless. And I'm glad the Lions don't have to um, go through that. And it was also touching how um, they met at the post game presser. They mentioned. Uh, every single one of the the C's people in that school shooting in Detroit, in Michigan. I think that was very, uh, that was nice. Dan Campbell, first victory of the season, first victory as a head coach. Uh, because This is his first season as a coach, and he takes the time to pay his respects, to mourn them. That was nice. So I'm a Dan Campbell fan. We'll see if he gets more victories, but he's showing that he has a lot of great character and he shows that he's a leader of man and he could obviously tell that the Detroit Lions are fighting hard for him. So that that goes a long way. We'll see if he gets his X's and O's and if he's able to build the team and we'll see how he does down the line. But you could at least say that he's a he's a good leader and his players play tough for him. And that's that says a lot. So congratulations to the Detroit Lions and Vikings. You guys are done. Don't look now, but the Dolphins have won five straight. They are now six and seven, and they've pushed themselves back into the AFC race. Although they are the 13th seed in the AFC, and they have a mountain still to climb. You got the Broncos ahead of them. You got the Browns ahead of them. You got the Raiders, the Colts, the Steelers, the Bills, the Bengals, the Chargers. All of those teams fighting for three wildcard spots. But can the Dolphins actually do it? They've, they're on a five-game win streak. They've beaten the Ravens, and they've taken care of some pedestrian teams, the Texans, the Jets, the Panthers, the Giants. So the only real impressive victory right there that you would say is a quality, quality victory is probably the Ravens. They beat them on Thursday Night Football. It was a pretty ugly game. It was boring. I remember I was taking a flight, and I was watching that game before boarding, and I was like, this is this is boring. This is a boring. This is boring. Um, this is a, this is a boring game. I'm not missing much. I'm about to probably miss, you know, the the second um the second half because I'm gonna be in the plane. But I don't think I'm missing much. This is this is not that entertaining. But I did not know that that was the second game in their five game win streak. They're now six and seven after starting one and seven. So congratulations to the Dolphins. They're fighting. They're competing. And lucky for them, they have the Jets coming up and have the Saints. The Jets. As we know, they're terrible. And the Saints, without Jameis, Kamara, we'll see if he comes back. Michael Thomas is done for the season. That defense is still good. That offense is just terrible. Who's going to be their quarterback? Is it going to be Seaman? Is it going to be Hill? We don't know. But you could realistically see the Dolphins extending their win streak to seven. They could take care of the Jets. They could go to New Orleans and take care of the Saints. And at that point, they'll be eight and seven with two games left against the Titans and against the Patriots. And the Titans, it looks like they're falling off a cliff. We'll see if A.J. Brown is back at that point. We'll see if Julio Jones is back. We'll see if they come back, if they're, if they're healthy, because they've been, they've been injured the whole, the whole season. A.J. Brown hasn't been able to stay healthy. Julio Jones hasn't been healthy for, like, the last three seasons, two, three seasons. So we'll see. That, that's definitely a game they could win, Dolphins versus Titans. 
they could win that game. So if they take care of the easy ones or the so-called easy ones against the Jets and the Saints, they position themselves to just play a great game in Tennessee. We'll see. Um, the Titans might be desperate at that point. We'll see how the Colts and, and they do. But they could, they could. I could see a scenario where the Dolphins beat the Titans. And then it comes down, the final game of the season, they play the Patriots at home. And it's crazy because the first game of the season was against the Patriots. So to have the Patriots at the beginning, at the end, that's a that's a weird schedule. Especially seeing teams play each other two out of three weeks. Kind of like how the Steelers and the Ravens played each other. But the Patriots... They might have the first the first spot locked in. Obviously, if if that if they get the first spot and they get a, a first round bye, they don't want to rest their players for too much. So I'm, I'm I will think that they would play their players this last game. But we'll see how much the Patriots are playing, how much they have left to accomplish at the end of the season. Will the Patriots have the number one seed wrapped up? Are they still gonna be playing for that number one seed? If the play if the Patriots are playing for that number one seed and that makes that game a lot tougher for the Dolphins. If the Patriots are able to wrap it up at that point before Week 17, then that bodes well for the Dolphins, who will be fighting for their playoff lives at that point. So can I see it happening? Ah, man, it's tough. It's tough because I, I would like to say that they will beat the Jets and they will beat the Saints, but the Titans and the Patriots, that's, that's a tough way to end the season. I'm thinking both teams are going to be desperate for different ways. I think the Titans are going to be desperate to hold on to the AFC South. I think the Colts are coming. The Titans are kind of falling down. We'll see how the Titans are doing at that point. And the Patriots will definitely be in the contention for that number one spot at that point. Uh, like They're the number one seed right now in the AFC. And they still got the Bills left. So we'll see how that plays out. But the Titans... They got the Steelers, they still got the 49ers, and they got the Dolphins. So depending on how the Titans do against the Steelers and the 49ers, they might be desperate going into the Titans game as well. So that, that that's shaping up to be a very, very pivotal game for both teams. <clears throat> and for the Patriots, like it, it'll be tough to beat them regardless. Even when they don't play the starters, it's still going to be tough. But the Patriots have the Colts, the Bills, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins. So it's no easy pickings for the Patriots either. We'll see how they do against the Colts. And we'll see how they do against the Bills in the rematch to see how they're standing at that point. I don't think there would be... I don't think they'll have the division wrapped up by by week 18. So will I say, can the Dolphins do it? I, I don't think so. I think they're, that 1-7 hole was too much. And I don't think they run the table. I think they need to run the table to make the playoffs. And they're in a five-game win streak. They have a bye week this week. Uh, usually, a bye week always comes at a great time. But they're firing on all cylinders. You know, you kind of want to play, to keep playing when you're on a, on a good win streak. They're on a five-game win streak. They're playing against beatable teams, the Jets and the Dolphins. So you kind of, uh, you, you look at your schedule and, and they're probably thinking like, man, why, why can't we keep this momentum going? We're playing against teams we could beat. We're flying on a high note. Like, let's just keep getting these dubs. Obviously, um, Devontae Parker's coming back. They got other players that are injured that need to get healthy. So on that point, the bye week always comes um, at an opportunistic time. So we'll see what um, Flores tells him over the bye week. 
Uh, they cannot slip up. They can't lose to the Jets or the Saints and think that they're going to have a chance to make the playoffs. If they want to make the playoffs, he needs to just, this bye week, just keep email them, text them, hit up the group chat, just let them know. Like, don't overlook the Jets. Don't overlook the Saints. Be focused. You can't look too past. I know we're on a five-game win streak. But realistically, in my heart of heart, I think, I just think there's too many teams ahead of them. There's, they're on a five-game win streak. It's great for them. They're six and seven, but they're still the 13th seed in the AFC, and and that's the mountain was too high. I think at the end of the season, the Dolphins are going to look back at the Jaguars game on October 17th. They're going to look at the Falcons game on October 24th, and they're going to be like, man, if we would have been able to pull these victories off against the Jaguars and the Falcons, we would have had a chance. If they beat the Jaguars on October 17th, Instead of six and seven, they're seven and six, and they're they're probably in in one of these playoff spots, or they're they're like with the Colts, they're tied with the Colts at as as the ninth seed, and that's way better than thirteenth. I think the hole was just too big. It's unfortunate because Tua did get hurt. There was all those rumors about Watson. I think that didn't help Tua either, um, and they just started slow. Uh, terrible because a lot of people had the Dolphins making the playoffs this year after the way they finished last year Brian Flores um, who a lot of people were thinking could be coach of the year is just ah I feel bad for Dolphins fans because this is this five game winning streak is it's been good Tua has been playing good that offense has been playing better that defense has really stepped up a lot of things are going good for the Dolphins a lot of things are going good for the Dolphins if they're able to run the table, they could be one of those teams that you're like, whoa, where did they come from? Are they going to make some noise in the playoffs? That defense is good. They're playing sound offensive football. Can they make some noise? Can they upset a team? But ah, it just looks like they're not going to get a chance. And I feel for the Dolphins because I think they were one of the teams I made. I picked to make the playoffs as a wild card. And it's just, ah, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, but Tua has Tua earned uh, his starting position. He's been good. He's been more than good. He, I mean, he's been solid. He's been more than solid. He's been good. Uh, I won't say he's been great, but he's been good. He's he's definitely impressed me. Him and Waddle definitely seem to have something going, and that's exciting. Or Waddle in his rookie year, Tua in his second year. That's exciting. That should get you excited as a Dolphins fan. You got Gesicki. You got Parker. Gaskin is doing a little bit of something. If you get maybe another explosive running back uh, and maybe an elite wide receiver to pair with Waddle because Parker's just always hurt, then this offense could really start to take off. And if you're Watson, if you're Watson and if you're the Dolphins, I still think you want to go for Watson just because the pieces are there. Gesicki is one of the you know higher-end tight ends. Waddle looks like he's going to be a star in the NFL. Gaskin's not a bad running back. He could run. He could catch. That defense is starting to shape it up. It looked like the Dolphins one in seven. Like, does Watson still want to go here? Like, they're one in seven. They're uh, you know not doing that hot. At the very least, the Dolphins that pick that they gave away is starting to push up into the draft boards, so it doesn't feel as bad if if that's any solace for the Dolphins. But great run that they're in. Hope the Dolphins get healthy and hope they game plan well during this bye week. But in my heart of heart, in my opinion, I'm sorry, Dolphin fans, I would have to say that it's too little too late.
Burrow versus Herbert for the first time in the NFL. 41-22, the Chargers beat the Bengals. And it was a very entertaining game. The Chargers, who started with a 24-0 lead, came out the gates firing, uh, forced some turnovers, took advantage of them, took a 24-0 lead. And being an ex-Charger fan, being around you know Charger fans, I knew that this game was not out of the reach for the Bengals. You always you can't get too comfortable with the Chargers. I kind of wanted to put a little bet in just to uh, on the Bengals comeback, just because the Chargers are known for blowing leads, just like the Falcons, just like the Vikings. They're known for that, and sure enough, the Bengals came firing back. And before you know it, is the third quarter, and we're going into the fourth quarter, and it's twenty four twenty two Bengals, and you're like, what just happened? How did the Chargers go from twenty four zero? to 24-22 and you're thinking okay like they're gonna blow it we're playing in Cincinnati Burrow is looking a little better he's completing his passes Mixon starting to get going like it's bad it's bad for the Chargers it's good for the Bengals Burrow's gonna it, it, it's gonna be crazy storylines if, if Burrow is able to complete this comeback against the Chargers Burrow who had some interceptions but uh he, he threw the ball to Chase. Chase should have had the touchdown. Probably would have walked in for a touchdown. I don't think they would have caught up to him. But he doesn't catch it cleanly. It bounces back and it leads to interception. So Burrow, to be able to shake that off and come back strong and bring the Bengals back, it was like, okay, this is impressive. But Mixon, costly turnover. Bengals, who had the ball, they were driving to take the lead. Field goal takes the lead. Touchdown takes the lead. And Mixon fumbles the ball. Puts the ball on the on the ground, puts the ball on the turf. The Chargers return him for a touchdown. And after that, yeah, the Bengals couldn't get much going. It was deflating to say the least. But overall, it was just a great game. It was a great game. It was these early games weren't that great. But this one was entertaining. The final score, 41 to 22. I think it's a little lopsided. Uh it was definitely more entertaining than a 19-point victory. And this just excites me. This excites me for the future. Um, Burrow and Herbert and Tua to that to ta- to another degree, but they're all, all three of them are always going to be tied at the hip. They came from the same draft class, number one, number two, number three quarterback picked off the board, and this was the first meeting between Herbert and Burrow. Uh, the Chargers and the Bengals played Week One of last year, but Tyrod Taylor got the start, so the Joe Burrow versus Herbert battle we didn't get to see last year this year they play again so fortunately for us we get to see them and it was a great game and i'm excited both young quarterbacks both who have high ceilings uh, i think both franchises will be content with who they picked i think the Bengals feel like they found their quarterback their franchise qb who you know has brought them back into you know the abc contention who's brought them you know back into playoff hopes and the chargers who should be really happy that after Rivers, after Breeze, after Rivers, they found Bur- I mean, they found Herbert. So both teams should be very happy. I think both teams are going to be perennial playoff teams for years to come because these are two great QBs. And it was just fun. It was exciting. I'm glad we got. To see- I got to see this. And uh, it should have been flexed. I'm still mad that it- this game did not get flexed into Sunday Night Football. Uh, the Sunday Night Football game... Uh, Chiefs versus Broncos. I think that one wasn't as entertaining as this one. Uh, this put putting Burrow versus Herbert. It should have been on Sunday Night Football, 
But nevertheless, it was still a great game. The Bengals were making a furious comeback for my money. I think they could have completed the the comeback if it wasn't for Mixon fumbling. But you got to be opportunistic. The Chargers forced turnovers. They won the turnover. The turnover. Ooh, excuse me. They won the turnover battle, uh, th- three to four. Not by much. Uh, the Chargers fumbled two, and they threw one interception themselves. But this game was definitely closer than than the score shows. And now the Chargers are the fifth seed. They're the first wild card. The Bengals are now the number two. So this had a lot of playoff implications too. It just it crumbled up the the wild card positioning even more. We'll see if both teams make the playoffs. I, I'm hopeful. I want both of them to make it. I need to see Burrow. I need to see Herbert into the in the playoffs. I think they both will spice it up. These even more young quarterbacks in the playoffs. Like let's do it. Let's do it. I want to see. I want to see Herbert. I want to see Burrow in the playoffs more than you know an old Ben Roethlisberger or uh, Carson Wentz with the Colts or Derek Carr with the Raiders or um, Baker Mayfield with the Browns or Teddy Bridgewater with the Broncos. Um, Tua, I wouldn't mind seeing Tua in the playoffs, but I think <clears throat> if we get the Chargers and the Bengals in the playoffs, it would just spice up the playoffs even more. Just having two more marquee quarterbacks. <clears throat> And right now they're the fifth and sixth seed. We'll see if they're able to stay in that hunt in one of these positions. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a dog fight to the end. Three teams are seven and five. Another is six, five, and one. Colts are seven and six. It's gonna be a dog fight to the end. The Chargers are just one game back in, against the Chiefs, so they're still in it. The Bengals are just one game back against the Ravens, so they're still in it for the AFC North and the AFC West, respectively. The AFC is just a clusterfuck. It's ridiculous. It's insane how competitive the AFC has been this season but it's been great to watch it's been great to see and the Chargers versus Bengals was just another example of two AFC uh upper echelon teams going at it I thoroughly enjoyed it Burrow versus Herbert round one goes to Herbert and we're probably gonna get 12 12 12 or more rounds of this and I'm I'm here for it and you guys should all be here for it too Tottenham have, have won their last three games. They're unbeaten in their last four games in the Premier League. They are now fifth in the Premier League table, and they have one game in hand, which if they win would push them to fourth, which is crazy because, you know, they, they were falling down that table after starting with three straight victories under Nuno. It felt like, okay, is, is Nuno the guy? Are they going to make this happen? And we clearly found out that, you know, Nuno's tactics weren't, you know, that entertaining. They weren't that fun. They weren't. They weren't that sound, and Tottenham quickly moved away from Nuno. But now with Conte, they've won three in a row. They're unbeaten in their last four games, and they find themselves in fifth place with 25 points, two game, two points behind West Ham, one point above Manchester United, and like I said, they have one game in hand. So can they potentially finish top four after it looked like they had no shot? They're right there. They're literally two points behind West Ham. And they have a game in hand. I think they could do it. I think Conte, it shows you the difference between a good coach and a great coach or, you know, a good coach and like an elite coach. Conte, he's a master. He's a tactician. He knows what he's doing. He's proven record. He's done it everywhere. Premier League, Italy, you name it. He's won the league. He did it with Chelsea. He did it with Inter. He's he's, he's a savant. He, He knows what he's doing. So I do think Tottenham has a chance to make the top four. Uh, unfortunately for them, it just came out that they had a COVID outbreak. 
Uh, they're going to lose some players. And their Europa League lives are at stake this Thursday. So that might be that might be tough for them to get over. But I do think that Tottenham um, will will have what it takes to make it to the top four. I think Conte will get it together. I think it, it has to happen for Harry Kane. He has struggled in the Premier League. He's, he's His conversion rate, I saw, is like in the 2%. Two percentile. He's terrible. He's been bad. There's no other way to put it. He's he's in in the slump. They should have sold him, in my opinion. He didn't want to be there. He had been loyal to the club. He had given them a lot of goals, a lot of success. No titles, but he had been, you know, a star for Tottenham. I think they should have let him go. And now I don't know if if that's having an impact on his game or if he's just off. But he's not the same player. And but I do think that he's such a good player. He still shows up for England that he will eventually turn it around. And if Harry Kane gives you anything, which is would be more than what he's giving you right now, I think Tottenham does have a chance to finish in the top four. And their schedule does get a little tougher coming up. They do go have to go uh, against Brighton. And then they play Leicester. And then they play Liverpool at home. Those are three tough games. And then they have a quarterfinal against West Ham. And yeah, so in the Premier League, there's always never, you know, an easy game. Everyone's tough. Anyone can lose to anyone. But Brighton, Brighton has been tough. They're ninth in the table. Liverpool, obviously, they're tough. They're in great form. Leicester City, they've been up and down, but they're still a tough out. So we'll see how Tottenham gets through these games. I do believe in them. I definitely believe in them more than I did under Nuno. Conte has definitely turned this team around. They look more cohesive. They look like they have a plan going into games. And they're executing better. They're putting a better product on the field. So I like Tottenham. I do think they have Champions League aspirations. We'll see how Manchester United um, does with their new head coach, Raf Ragnick. And Arsenal has fallen down a cliff again. They've lost two straight games where they've led. Um, so we'll see how Arsenal, Arsenal starting to look like pretenders again. It looks like they just took advantage of a soft schedule. So we'll see if um, Arsenal competes. West Ham just had a massive, massive victory against Chelsea after a couple losses and a tie. So they'll definitely be contending as well. So we'll see. We'll see how they do this. This season is, is, um, it's turning out to be a great one where there's a, there's a fierce battle at the very top, three teams fighting for that for the Premier League title. And then there's going to be like three or four teams fighting for that last Champions League spot and for the two Europa League spots. And then a little bit behind them, I think the Wolves, Brighton, Aston Villa, all those other teams are starting starting to filter themselves down the table. But I think Tottenham, they have as good a chance as the other teams to get that final spot for the Champions League next year. So that should excite you if you're a Tottenham fan. We'll see how if they do any transfer activity in uh january and hopefully for this outbreak that just got announced hopefully it's not too severe it, it does look like it's a massive outbreak so it does look like they're gonna lose quite a few players that are gonna have to quarantine for 10 game for 10 days uh, i have read that they're talking to the premier league about their game against brighton hopefully for them it gets postponed because they would be at a disadvantage we'll see if but they already have a game that they're that they're down uh, they still got to play Burnley so to having two games that they haven't played in, in this congested Premier League schedule it's gonna be tough uh, the Premier League might just tell Tottenham that you're gonna have to suck it up and keep playing um their Europa League's uh hopes looks pretty pretty dire now that they don't have 
the players. It still hasn't been released who caught it. So I don't know if, if it's like one of the key important players. But either way, losing eight players is, is no joke. So unfortunately, I could Europa League looks like it might be a lost cause. But Premier League is still, I think they could still um, fight for top four. And like I said, it's sad that the outbreak came at this time when they're starting to get their footing, when they're starting to get some traction going. But I think Conte is the right man to steer the ship. So we'll see how Tottenham do, does. And I hope they get through this outbreak first and foremost. It's a, You never want to see it. We are getting into the winter time, so it does look like COVID might impact the Premier League again. And hopefully for the league, hopefully for everyone, there's not too many outbreaks and we're able to just keep going forward. But like I said, I think I do believe in Tottenham. I think they have as good a chance as these other teams like West Ham and United and Arsenal to get that final Champions League spot. Manchester City are now at the top of the Premier League table. They've won five straight games after losing to Crystal Palace 2-0. And 35 points out of 15 played. That's a pretty impressive point tally. Chelsea, who were in first place but had been showing signs of probably, you know, teetering. They were, they were getting some results that they probably should have lost. They were, they were on the verge of dropping points. They finally dropped points. They lose to West Ham 3-2 which opened the gates for Liverpool and Manchester City, and they both won. Manchester City and Liverpool are clearly the two teams that are playing the best in the Premier League. Chelsea's still doing great. They're still doing, they're still right there at the top of the table, just two points behind City. But City takes the top top position in the league, and I think we're just going to play musical, cheer, musical chairs the whole rest of the season. I think Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, they're all just going to change. They're all just going to... Uh, play musical chairs at the top of the table. Uh, we'll see a week where Liverpool's at the top. We'll see a week where Chelsea's at the top. We'll see a week where Manchester City's at the top. Uh, I think it's just going to be that type of season. It's going to be a tight race. It's definitely a three-horse race. I don't see Chelsea. I mean, I don't see West Ham. I don't see Tottenham. I definitely don't see United or Arsenal making a push to get into into uh, real title contention. I think uh, the title favorites have been established. It's Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. And as of right now, City is the top dog. They beat Wofford 3-1. Silva's playing amazing. The whole team just looks very cohesive. They're playing. Um, obviously, Pep being the coach that he is, he's always going to get them ready. He's always going to have his team playing at a very high level. Unfortunately, today they did lose in Champions League against uh, Red Bulls. But in the Premier League, they play great. Uh, Raheem Sterling getting a goal, um, Silva getting a goal, Bernardo Silva getting a goal. There's people calling Bernardo Silva the best Portuguese player in the Premier League. I think at this moment, you would have to say that Bernardo Silva is probably the best Portuguese player in the Premier League. No shade against Ronaldo. He's doing his thing. He's scoring important goals for United. He's still an impactful player. Bernardo Silva is on another level right now. Uh, obviously, it's different playing in a system like Manchester City, playing in a system under Pep where your role is so defined. The the, the freedom that you get is, is is just incredible because everything's rotated. You, you know your role because it, it's, it fluctuates so much. Like, it's, it's crazy. Like, there's, there's no... There's no striker. A, a lot of players go forward. There's a lot of fluidity. Players can interchange. And I think that really helps Bernardo Silva being... Being such a smart player, being a, a little magician with the ball on his foot, 
and it, he's really showed there was rumors that he wanted to leave this season and this summer that just passed and thankfully for him he stayed and now he's really thriving with Manchester City under Pep and I'm just happy for him happy for uh, Manchester City they're doing great they're they're on fire uh, Manchester's blue right now they're at the top of the table and for my for my money I think I still have Liverpool as the favorite uh, or like who would I would think would win it out but Manchester City definitely playing great football right now definitely playing um they deserve to be at the top of the table and i i did kind of predict chelsea faltering i i it was coming you could see it they were getting results but they were barely getting through um but i think like i said earlier it's going to be musical chairs this whole season it's a three horse race as one of them might tie the other ones will win and they'll take the lead it's just going to be musical chairs this whole season i'm excited to see how it plays out i'm excited how january is going to go especially for liverpool now that they're going to lose Sané and Salah to the African uh, qualifiers and stuff. It's going to be it's going to be crazy or the African uh their regional tournament. So it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be tough for Liverpool City. We'll see how they, you know, attack the transfer market. It's just I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this plays out. Manchester City deserve to be first place right now and we'll see how it plays out. It looks like the Pacers are going to blow the team up. A report has came out that Miles Turner, Chris LeBert, and DeMontis Sabonis are all linked with trades out of the Pacers. Uh, this is kind of shocking, but kind of expected as the Pacers are the 13th seed right now in the East. 10 and 16 start, not what a lot of people would have expected. Uh, Sabonis, a two-time All-Star. Miles Turner, who's still very young at 25 years old, uh, he's... His three-point shot has developed. He's a he's a good three-point shooter, especially for a big man. He's a great rim protector. Sabonis, who's incredible in the low post, who's still young. He's 25 years old, too. Like I said, two-time All-Star. He's probably going to get the most attention. And Karis LeVert, who, after leaving the Nets, has, has also played good. He's also a, a key piece to, to the rotation, to their team. I think any team could use him as a six-man or as another scorer for their team. And it's crazy. It's crazy how teams could come together so quickly, could fall apart so quickly. I I do have their players rated pretty high. I think any team would be happy to get Karis LeVert or Miles Turner or Sabonis. It's crazy that not every combination works together. But when you put these pieces, when you start to look around and you see where they would fit, I think... All these players can make a significant impact in other teams. Just together, it never worked out. Miles Turner and Sabonis, two centers that never really gelled. And I think this is this is good for the Pacers. They need to, you know, get more draft picks, get some draft capital, start all over, build build a team that works better together. Especially with Lavert not shooting that well, with Sabonis not shooting that well from three, it kind of clogs up the paint. Miles Turner, who's a great rim protector and has developed a three point shot. I think he's the one that I would point to maybe bringing the most impact to a team. I like my team, the Lakers. I would love Miles Turner on the Lakers. A rim protector, athletic, could run the court, could shoot from three, pair him up next to AD. I think that would be amazing. I don't think the Lakers have what it have the assets to pull it off. It would have to be like Westbrook, but I don't I don't think Westbrook um, it's on the trade market. He's staying on the team. And the other pieces, I don't think we have enough to get Miles Turner or the draft picks. Or, yeah, we just don't have 
stuff to give up for Miles Turner. But what do you guys think? Where should these players go? Like, Sabonis could give you 20 a night. Miles Turner, effective rim protector. Karis LeVert could give you 20 any night, too, off, off the bench. They're quality players. They just couldn't make it happen with the Pacers. TJ McConnell is done for the season. He's going to have a hand sin- surgery is what's coming out, too. So it looks like the Pacers are ready to just throw in the towel. They're 10 and 16th. They're the third bottom seed in the East. Uh, it looks like they're not, even with the play-in, even with the ninth and 10th seed making uh, making the play-in, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen for the Pacers this season. So it looks like they have thrown in the towel. They're going to blow the team apart. They're going to try to get what they can for Miles Turner, Levert, and Sabonis. I think if they get rid of all three of them, that would be maybe too much. I think maybe they should just move one of the centers, maybe Levert, try to get what you could get for Levert. Um, but I would, in my personal opinion, I would try to keep Sabonis. Uh, I think he's the most valuable for the Pacers. I think you could get a lot from Miles Turner, or maybe not. I think there's been rumors through the years that they've tried to move him and nothing has came to fruition. So we'll see what they're able to get. If they're, if teams are lowballing them on Miles Turner, then maybe the Lakers pull something off. But I think all three players could definitely help out a team, especially a playoff team or a team <clears throat> higher into the standings. Uh, Lavert maybe to the Knicks or Sabonis. I don't think Turner would work because they already have Robinson. But I do think, like I said, I'm shocked. I'm kind of shocked that they're blowing up the team because 25, 25, 27 years old, still pretty young. If, like, if you get another player, which is kind of hard because the Pacers are not that big of a market. But it is what it is. This is the life of the NBA. You build a team. You try it out for a couple of years. If it doesn't work, you blow it up. You rebuild. You get more draft picks. You try again. It's, this is the NBA. And, you know, none of these players are like top 10, top 20 players in the league. So it makes sense why you would want to blow it up, blow it up get a draft pick, shoot for the fans, shoot, shoot for the stars again. Hopefully one of your draft picks ends up being a top 20 player. I think you go from there. So it is what it is when you start 10 and 16 in the East. This is what it will do to you. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Where should these players go? Miles Turner to the Lakers. Is that a real possibility? Can we make that happen? I know I know. there's going to be comments. There's going to be people thinking, oh, uh, Laker fans always thinking every single player is going to go to their team. Uh, not every single one. Just Miles Turner. And another report comes out that Lillard wants a two-year 107 million extension with the Blazers. I don't I don't understand this man. I mean I get it. You want to get money, you want to get paid. 53 and a half a year. Anyone would obviously take that. Getting paid that much money in your year 35, year 36 season. In your age 35, age 36 season in NBA, that's great. Secure the bag. Good for you, Lillard, if you get this extension. But, man, does he not want to get a championship? Does he not want to get a ring? I get being loyal. I get being loyal to the team that drafted you, the team that gave you your generational wealth, the one that took a chance on you, the one that believed in you, the one that, you know, the fans that have been there forever, you know, the everything. Like seeing the same people when you drive to the arena, seeing the same people who, you know, get your uniform ready, clean your shoes, all that stuff. You You build a family. I get all that. Good for you, Lillard. Like, it's great. You probably have a routine. You probably have a nice home in Portland that you love. You love the community. 
you don't want to you, you probably have kids that you don't want to move from your school there's a lot of things you probably love love about portland which would suck to move but do you not want a ring do you not want a ring come on literally you're such a good player you deserve to compete for a ring man like it's not gonna happen with the blazers it's just not like we've had enough time to see it and it's just not gonna happen it's just not gonna happen it's not like there's been enough there's been enough movement there's been enough players going through there maybe if ben simmons gets traded there and he brings some defense to that team and he, he has the desire and he's over his mental struggles and he's just an elite player maybe they can make something happen but other than that their defense is still terrible lillard is doing too much on offense he doesn't have enough help the west is stacked against him they don't have enough to win uh, two three series in a, a two seven game series two three seven game series to get to the final they don't have enough to compete against these elite teams in the east they can't beat the bugs they can't beat the nets uh, they probably can't even beat the bulls like it's not gonna happen with the blazers man it's not and like you should feel the you should they, i know you made the western conference final two three years ago against the warriors so you might have had a chance then, but I don't think no one really, out of the four teams that were left, I think the Blazers were probably the fourth favorite to win that year. You never really, really felt that you were going to win the chip as a Blazer. And I just want Lillard to experience that. I want him to experience being on the true contender that you legitimately have a chance to win the championship. And I still don't think he's felt that. I still don't think he's been part of a team that truly, in their heart of hearts, believes i know we all say they're all gonna say that yeah we we have all the players we need here we have all the players in-house like we don't need to look anywhere else we just i see i see the locker room every day i see us in practice and i know we have what it takes to win it but in your heart of hearts there's only like two or three teams every season that could really win it all and i don't think lillard has ever experienced that and i want him to i lillard is such a good player he's so entertaining he looks like he's such a cool dude I just want him to experience that. And basically signing this extension with the Blazers is going to mean, I mean, they could obviously trade him and some other team could pay him. But uh, I was hoping that maybe he gets to free agency at the twilight of his career and he, you know, reigns some threes with some other team, makes a makes a playoff run, is part of a team that is legit championship contender. But if he signs this, it kind of it kind of just... It feels like he's just going to stay with the Blazers and he's going to be a, a career-long player. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's some greats. Kobe did it. Duncan did it. Nowitzki did it. There's other players that have been just for one team their whole career. I'm sure Lillard wants to be one of those players. But the difference is Kobe won championships with the Lakers. Duncan won championships with the Spurs. Nowitzki got his one championship with the Mavericks. And it looks like Lillard is not gonna get that with the with the Blazers. And I mean, I'm happy for Lillard if this if this extension goes through. Get your money, get your chickens, secure that generational wealth for your family. But I think you've made enough money. You should be comfortable. Obviously, I don't want to count your coins. I don't want to count your money. But ah, dude, I just want to see you compete for a championship. And it's not gonna happen with the Blazers. I'm sorry, it's not. I, I could be I. I'm 100% sure it's not going to happen. And I'm sorry, Blazer fans. You guys are probably going to hate me. But come on. He's been there for, what, 10 plus years, 10 years, 8, eight, ten 10 years. 
and it's it hasn't happened and it doesn't look like it's gonna happen like i'm sorry it just doesn't look like it's gonna happen defense is still not there coach maybe we give him chauncey billups another year but he's giving him this year they were saying all right give him this year and he's giving him this year and nothing's changed defense is still terrible they don't look like a, a powerhouse in the west Come on, Lillard, don't sign that extension. Go somewhere else. Or if you do sign it, I hope you have a plan to get out of there. Get that money, and then next year request a trade or this summer request a trade. I don't know. But uh, I feel for Lillard because I want him to compete. But he might just be a blazer all-timer, a blazer for life. And I guess that's fine. At the end of the day, if that's what Lillard wants, that's what Lillard wants. And he's going to get paid. So it is what it is. Whatever Lillard does, like I said... It's up to Lillard, but for me, I would have liked to see them really contend for a championship. But that should do it for the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This has been episode number 76. Thank you so much if you made it to the end. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.